Holly G with the Golf Insiders. Well, it was a week ago, yes? A week ago, the balls were in the air at the 44th Ryder Cup, and he was there covering every shot, every question in the press conference, uh, probably sneaking a little pasta in between to keep them going. It was a long week at this year's Ryder Cup, and not perhaps the finish we Americans were hoping for, and it was a big hope because the European squad just looked so strong going into the matches. And to break it all down for us, Bob Herrig from SI.com. Hey, Bob. Hello, how are you? Let's start with your, your overall take. A lot of headlines. What went wrong with the U.S. team? Your overall take. Yeah, well, look, a lot went wrong with the U.S. team. They they didn't play very well, I think, is the main part of it. You know, other than Max Homa, um, you know, who had the best record. You know, they just, they, they came up short. You know, they, they didn't get enough out of Scheffler. They didn't get enough out of Brooks. They didn't get enough out of, out of Spieth. Um, and they definitely didn't get enough out of, out, of, out of Xander. You know, he went one and three. You know, those, those are your horses. And, uh, um, you know, you had two guys also make the team who, you know, frankly, were not used to this. They did not. And that was Wyndham Clark and Brian Harmon. I think it's a lot to ask of them, you know, to, to carry. And so that part of it was, was, was clearly an issue. That, that's very general. Specifically, I just look at the first day. You know, they got behind four to nothing. It's very hard. Out of that, now you're tight. You're down six and a half to one and a half after day one, five points, which was the final margin. They actually played them even the rest of the way. It's a shame they couldn't eke out another point or a point and a half in all of Friday. And which I think it changed it would have changed everything. If it was five to three after the first day, no problem. You know, if that if they're only day you know, but but it wasn't. And, and it was just too big of a hill to climb. I mentioned last week a very interesting statistic, which was the Ryder Cup winning percentage. And when the team leads after day one, 70% of the time uh, that team wins the Ryder Cup. After session one, it's 60%. And after the first match, 61.5%. So yes. I don't know if our captains need to think about those statistics and figure out how to how to retool Friday at the matches. I mean, I, I got to believe they're aware of that. Um, they run all the numbers. They have to know those things. And, you know, assuming that they did, that's where I would put my questioning on Zach and the – and, and the assistance because you know how important it is to get off to a fast start. You know how important it is to, to, to hang in there in that first session and to not get too far behind. And they were behind the entire time. There was not a match after the fourth hole of Friday morning that they were tied in. It's incredible to think of that. From the fifth hole on, they trailed in every match of the foursomes and were never tied again. I mean, that's, you know, that's, that's, 
getting it handed to you. Yeah, that's called getting waxed, Bob. Come on. And, and they should have, you know, frankly, should have, easy to say after the fact, but I think that we had some questions about their pairings going into Friday morning. Uh, the order for one, there was a lot of conjecture that Spieth and Thomas shouldn't have been out there for uh, foursomes given the state of their games. And I think you could make that argument. I looked at it the other way. If you were going to go hard, so hard on Justin Thomas, I think you needed to play him first. I also think you needed Brooks out there on Friday morning. Agreed. You needed the, you needed the hard guys, you know, the, the, the guy, you know, those types of steely guys. And, uh, you know, but look, are you going to argue with Homa being out there? He played with Harmon in, in foursomes. Are you going to argue with Xander and, and Cantlay? They were 5-0 and in foursomes before the Ryder Cup. Now they're 5-2. and two. They lost both their foursomes matches. They had been undefeated in a Ryder Cup and President's Cup. They played that format at the Zurich. You, you're going to put them out there. The reason you picked Burns was to pair with Scheffler. All right? So I just want to put them out first. But, I mean, if you're going to have Burns there, then playing with Scheffler, then you're not going to sit Scheffler. So, again, it's like there's a couple of little nitpicks have done differently in the order and they should have maybe put more emphasis on being ready to go uh, uh, you know there's all kinds of conjecture that I'm sure we'll get into you know they weren't prepared they didn't play a lot could have prepared better in a couple of days leading up you know they they just needed to be a little sharp uh, on Friday morning because the, once they got into it after that you know they were pretty good on Saturday and Sunday you know they certainly held their own and uh, it, it was all Friday. The Ryder Cup boiled down to that one day. It did. And, and you mentioned that it's it's not that the U.S. doesn't play well in foursomes uh, because they certainly play well in foursomes at home. They play well in the President's Cup. So, you know, what is, yep. is it a matter of, is it travel? Is it preparation? That's a whole other part of things. But, you know, being able to come out fresh. Yeah, that part of it doesn't make sense to me. I mean, maybe should, maybe they need to get over there a day earlier. You know, maybe they need to arrive on Sunday. And, and, and you know, look, they're taking a charter. Why are you even flying overnight? Why don't, why don't you leave first thing Sunday morning? Uh, they left from Atlanta. So, so from Atlanta, it's, it's probably a nine, maybe say it's a ten-hour flight from Atlanta. All right, so get everybody to Atlanta on Saturday. Have a nice team dinner on Saturday in Atlanta. Get up in the morning. Leave at 8 a.m. Um, if you leave at 8 a.m. Uh, and it takes 10 hours, that's that's 6 p.m. Um, Eastern time, and it would have been midnight uh, in Rome. All right, so yeah. you get to the hotel at 1 a.m., 2 a.m., you sleep in the next day, and you try to get on track. And you've kind of got Monday to, you know, sleep in and not, you know, not in, no rush. Get out to the golf course whenever you feel like it. Play a few holes, hit some balls. Well, what they do? They flew in and got there Monday morning, 10, 11 o'clock. You know, you're not going to play 18 holes. You probably haven't slept that great, although they're all flying, you know, nice, like, nice seats on an airplane. Um, and... Uh, you know, then you've got Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. You know, maybe maybe they should think of it that way. Get there, 
get there by late Sunday night so you have four full days, and you don't even need to take the full days. But, uh, you know, again, there's all sorts of things that we can nitpick here, um, you know, and uh, the bottom line, though, is was they just didn't play very well for most of it. They didn't hold putts. You know, there was only a couple of big putts that I thought the U.S. made. Obviously, the one Cantley made on Saturday. And, um, and, and the Europeans just had a great week. They sure did. When Victor chipped in on the green on Friday, Bob, I thought, oh, boy, here we go. That was, a, that, that was a, uh, an omen, I think. Yeah. I said, here, here they come. So speaking of the, okay, the schedule, the five weeks that were in between, you asked Jordan in the team press conference, which that can't be fun to be sitting in there with those guys after they've lost. But you asked Jordan about that very specific question, about the sharpness, about the lag time. And it was interesting because he thoughtfully responded. He rephrased the question and asked, you know, when would we like to play the Ryder Cup relative to our schedule? And, you know, his response was, say, two weeks after the Tour Championship rather than five. Makes sense, but how does that? How do they do that? Well, and that's the problem. There's, there's no way to control that. You know, I mean, the Ryder Cup dates are set. Um, you know, for whatever they are, usually late September. Is the tour going to just extend its schedule into September to accommodate that? You know, the tour has fought to get itself done before football. Right. So what? Now they're going to one or two more weeks for the Ryder Cup. You know, I, it, it's not, that's not feasible. I don't think it's feasible for them to have gone over to Europe to play. So the only thing they could have done was all gone to Napa. And in retrospect, maybe they should have done that. All 12 guys go to Napa. They get a team bonding experience. The tour could have set it up so that they paired them together, just like they did in Europe at, the, at, at Wentworth. I like all the Ryder Cup days were grouped. You could have done that, you know, and, and, and maybe skipped going over there to see the course. See, then they would have been criticized for that. I heard the criticism. Not a single U.S. player played in the Italian Open either the last two years. It was unrealistic. The Italian Open was the same week as, as the Wells Fargo. How, how would that have gone over with the sponsor on the PGA Tour if their players are going to the Italian Open right. the same week? Right. Last, last year, the Italian Open was in the fall. It was the same. It was the week before the President's Cup. Mm-hmm. Come yeah. on. It's just not. The, 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 these, these things are not planned out that way. Meanwhile, the entire Euro, you know, European Ryder Cup team is a DP World Tour member. They were going to play their signature event. Of course. They weren't, they weren't doing it, oh, let's use this as a tune-up for the Ryder Cup. No, it's a big tournament in itself. If you're Jordan Spieth, what, the, what does that tournament mean to you? Nothing. He's right. not a member of their tour. Right. You know, I mean, I just think those things are, are wildly unrealistic tasks. But they could have all gone to Napa, Sure. Um, you know, uh, maybe the weekend before they do the, you know, the, like they did, they, you know, they went to they went to Rome and and then you could, could go all the way back and go to Napa, and then and then if they lose, it's like oh my God, they wore themselves out. 
You know, well, they flew over, all the way over to Italy and then a nine-hour time change back to Napa. And, the, you know, I mean, so it's almost like these excuses that come up are what that's what they are. They're excuses. They're pro golfers. They're used to taking time off. Like, when they all come back in Hawaii and haven't played for a month or six weeks, they have a system to get ready for that tournament. That's, you know, okay. We trust them to get ready. And for whatever reason, they weren't. That, that's not because, oh, man, they should have all gone and played a tournament. I just, I just find that that's, what, that's the easy way to Monday morning quarterback this thing. And I just, especially since nobody was talking about that once the picks were made. Nobody was saying, hey, how come you guys aren't going to play a tournament between now and then? There's only two of you playing. Nobody said that. The, the focus was on them getting rest after a tough... All the playoff events were played in 90-degree heat. Everybody was burned out and tired. Now, look, the same thing was said for, you know, Hovland, Hovland did it. Rory did it. And Rory actually played the week before at the, at the Irish Open. You know, but, <laughs> but that was his mindset. He was going to always play those tournaments because he needs them for his, for his DP World Tour status. All right, let's talk about some of the other aspects of this Ryder Cup. Hackgate, Bob. O-M-G. You know, what really, what was going on behind the scenes here? You can't get a hat to fit Patrick Cantley? Yeah, I know. That was weird. He He denied it had anything to do with being a protest. Um, I, I, I do seem to think that, that it wasn't a protest uh, because he because there'd have been a far better way to make the make the statement I think than that. Uh, but but a, but a media report that that had some went viral Saturday, and the fans were unmerciful. Mm. They just were, and you know that's part of the Ryder Cup. But it, it built up all day, and that's why you saw what happened on 18. Um, I don't. I don't think it means that we condone it. Um, you know, I, Joe has has elected not to talk. He he was told in the, afterward not to, and so far he has decided not to speak about it. Um, uh, you know, I, the thing got got the thing escalated. I, he shouldn't have been on the green. Um, Rory popped off to him, which set him off even more. I would argue Roy shouldn't have said anything either. But the fact of the matter is, is Joe needed to back away, you know, and, and, and diffuse it. And he didn't, and it turned into that. So very unfortunate, all of it. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, just I'm just really, you know, it's just it's too bad that it came down that way. It was, a, you know, Cantley played his tail off those last three holes. He made three birdies. They were down one. They ended up winning that match. It was huge. It was, gave them... A, a, just a tinge of momentum. It was totally over if they don't get that point. And, um, you know, so it was, it was, um, it was an unfortunate scene. And, and uh, that, uh, you know, it, it, it sure gave it some life, though. I'll say that. It, it did. And, uh, you know, that is the Ryder Cup. I mean, somebody like a Joe LaCava, you know, well-respected, you know, Consummate professional, I would say, as one of the top caddies, the longest caddies on tour, uh, especially the, you know, the bags he's carried, uh, you know, just kind of losing it in the moment. 
and that's so unlike him, and that's why I think that you have to allow for the fact that that something was said that really pushed him over the edge. That doesn't condone him doing what he did, but you still have to acknowledge that something was said that pushed him over the edge. You know, I mean, it's just so out of character for him. It's it's not Steve Williams. Right. You know, it's, it's Joe LaCava, who's always been very subdued, more of the quiet type. Not Class act. Boisterous, never, you know, never made it about him. And uh, uh, so that was a weird, weird situation there. And my sense is, is that after a day, I mean, they were getting killed out there. Every hole, every tee, every green, people with the hats off, making jokes about money. They didn't know what they were talking about. These guys had no idea what this was all about. Like, because obviously really? the report went viral. Nope, they did not know until it was over. They did. They had no idea that he was being taunted because there was this report out there that he was playing without a hat because he wanted to pay, be paid for the Ryder Cup. They had no earthly idea what was going on. And so, which, which makes me believe that the no hat was not done for those reasons. Didn't, he, didn't he say he didn't wear a hat uh, at Whistling Straits, too? No, I think he did wear one there. Okay, I thought he said that. It, but but then I thought the better better um, reasoning was that he was getting married and wanted to get some sun on his forehead. <laughs> yeah, and they and they you know they all laughed at that and shot that down. Um, the, 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 what didn't help matters is Shawley's dad admitted that there wasn't an issue with right. Jay. And, and, and all of that. And, that was going to so, be my follow-up question, the fact that it was reported that Xander almost lost his Ryder Cup spot. Yeah. What is yeah. the deal there? Well, I mean, you know, they were, they they dug into the weeds and wanted to know, like, where the money's going, and and they, they effectively got the Netflix thing done. They're not getting paid for that. But this this goes back to the whole the whole thing that we've talked about before is that the PGA Tour owns the players' media rights. They get paid a fee by the PGA of America for being on TV. Um, the PGA of America is in theory is paying the tour, you know. And now maybe the tour needs to disperse some of that money. I would also argue though, there's no Ryder Cup without the players, and there's millions and millions of dollars made off their backs. And um, it's it's a tough one. I wrote about this the other day. You know, if you're the players, it's a bad look to talk about it because we all know that it's not really about – it's not that they need the money. They make plenty of money. Right. Being in the Ryder Cup suggests they've made plenty of money. They're going to benefit from it indirectly because they were in the Ryder Cup. So to ask for money looks bad. It's one um, week. It's one right. week when you're playing for pure competition – and, oh, by the way, how much TV time each one of them is getting, especially, you know, somebody like a Sam Burns, et cetera, in terms of their brand, in terms of their name recognition. Well, that's true, but they're not allowed to wear any of their endorsement stuff. They have to wear the uniform. And, I mean, this is, this is you know, me playing both sides. I agree with all you just said there. It's one week. They can't make it about them in this. I think it's a... The, 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 they're they're going to lose in the court of public opinion. 
But when you consider that everybody else there is getting paid, including the caddies, and, you know, the media, we don't work for free. You know, they hire vendors, all the, you know, all the stuff going on. People get paid, the TV people. And sure. yet, if P, the PG of America, I think what it really galls them is, you know, they go over there, they're in the team hotel, there's all kinds of PGA Tour or PGA of America, mucky mucks, you know, I shouldn't say that. Obviously, they're good people, but they're executives, whatever, living high on the hog, all because this thing, you know, makes a lot of money. And these guys are sitting there going, I, these guys get to live live this this great life and come to this huge event and, and we don't get anything? You know, I mean, who, who, who works for free? Uh, pro golfers could, uh, a week's worth of an outing would be very lucrative for top guys, you know? And instead, they, you know, if they yes. don't go, they get, they get killed, you know? So I, I kind of get it. I really do. I see both sides of it. Again, I don't think it should be the players advocating for it, though. And I think the PGA of America and the, and the European Tour should recognize that, you know, there, there's no event without these guys. Now, on the European side, I don't think this is an issue. All know that they're playing for their tour, and the, the, the profits, the revenue from the Ryder Cup are so key to the tour's existence. Yeah, the DP It, it helps fund their tour. Yes, and it's not nearly a blink as wealthy as the PGA Tour, the European Tour. Right. It has struggled, and it means a lot. So uh, then breaking down the unity between, you know, the U.S. team versus the European team, it is remarkable. They come together this year, what, nine different countries the Europeans were representing, Bob? Right. And they just, they just gel. They gel as this just, you know, band of brothers in a way we don't. Yeah, I know, um, but yet two years ago they won by ten points. The U.S. seemed to band together pretty well then. I mean, I some of that stuff again. I just think it's overplayed. They played really, really well. I mean, they're into it. They love it. But I mean, I think the U.S. I don't think there was any issue with the U.S. guys. That was the other thing. That piece tried to intimate that there was some sort of a division on the U.S. side. I, I really don't believe it. I just don't. I don't. I don't think that was a thing. I, I really don't. And again, even if it was, you're not having to play with these. If you hate a guy, you don't have to play with them. Right. You know, nobody had more than one partner, or, you know, or, or more than two partners. You know, and that 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 whole team bonding thing. Like, remember two years ago, you know, the whole thing with Kepka and Deshambo. Well, look, they didn't play together. My guess is they didn't eat together, you know, but, but they just stayed away from each other. They hung out in their own little groups, and uh, that's fine. You know, again, I, I look more at the littler things. Could there have been a better captain's pick or two? Maybe. You know, it's fair game after this. Could they have prepared a little bit better? You know, again, I don't think it's that easy to, to say they should go play a tournament. Um, I boil it down to maybe a little bit of their prep on site. You know, they came out and they weren't that sharp on Friday morning. It wasn't like it was cold or you know, they had some reason. Like, you know, it was the temperature was perfect. You know, they 
They knew exactly what was going on. They, they set this lineup up. They know you got to get off to a good start. Very first match, Hovland chips in for birdie on the first hole, and they're already down. You know, it just set a tone, you know, and it's just crazy how that worked out. Yeah. All about momentum in in the Ryder Cup, that's for sure. Um, who was your biggest surprise uh, on the American side? And who, who would consider your your man of the match or matches overall? Well, I think on the U.S. side, the biggest surprise was Shoffley going one and three. Um, especially if he, you know, behind the scenes had sort of raised the stink. Um, I would have thought he would have been really, really motivated to, to play well. And maybe he was, but it, but it didn't work out, you know, and... I remember in six, 2016, the Hazels coming off all the stuff that went on. Phil was really, really motivated to have a good Ryder Cup. He knew that he had put his neck out there, and it would have looked bad had he had a bad Ryder Cup. But I believe he was 2-1-1, one, and one. and his, his, uh, his final day singles was a, was a tie with, uh, uh, with Sergio. And Phil made 10 birdies and a bogey and Sergio made nine birdies they both shot 63 on their own ball amazing it was phenomenal you know and 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 so you know Phil was sort of redeemed Mm -hmm. a little bit Mm -hmm. and 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 knowing what we know now um Xander you know probably really needed to step up in that moment and uh and wasn't able to do it and that's that's that. That would be my, you know, on, on the U.S. side. I mean, obviously, Homa had a great Ryder Cup. He's had a great Presidents Cup and a Ryder Cup now, and I think that's really neat uh, how far he's come. Uh, you know, on the on the on the European side, Roy was four and one. That's his best Ryder Cup record. You know, for all the Ryder Cups he's played in, he's his his overall record is so so. It's not, you know, it was it was you know just a little over five hundred. So that was a huge step. He he stepped up big and led. And he wanted and to redeem himself after yeah. 20. Yeah, he was 20. one and three at Whistling Straits. He only won a singles match. So, uh, yeah. Ricky Fowler giving that putt on 16. Did that surprise you? Did he know where things stood? It makes me wonder if he didn't know. Um, Don't you make a guy uh, putt for the win, no matter what? Yeah, I would have thought so. Yeah, I I was surprised that that sort of you know got overlooked in the big picture, and also, again, potentially, had he not put that in the water, you know how the the pressure might have tightened in those last few matches because you know it's it really boiled down to. Every shot counting. Yeah, I mean that was that was huge, and so was Saturday when when Spieth hit it in the water on that hole. You know, I mean, just um, you know, just a, a, a really a really unfortunate uh, situation there. Is that Actually, the look of the hole, Bob? Is it just that guys aren't comfortable getting on that? On that tee box, or you know, what what was it about sixteen? Well, I mean, it was a drivable par four, 
but there was some concern that if he hit driver and went left, he'd be in a really tough spot. And, you know, so I, I know on Saturday, it looked like Zach talked him into hitting something other than the driver, and then he hits in the water. That was that was Jordan. Yeah, that was you know, that was a strange moment. Ricky just didn't have it. He was he was not feeling well. He was he was you know he only played twice, lost them both, didn't play Saturday. Um, seemed to be low on energy. A couple of guys weren't feeling well. Cantley was sick on Wednesday. Uh, they they did not make an excuse out of it, which was smart. So that that couldn't have helped. So as we look ahead. Who uh, who do you think will be our next captain? Any idea? Well, I think it's got to be, you know, Tigers if he wants it. I think that's that's pretty much what everybody expects. And Tigers are probably more apt to do a home one. So you know, if he wants to do it, I think I think it'll be him. Um, if not, you know, all of a sudden we have a little bit of a of a um, sort of a bare pipeline. Um, I thought it was a weird decision to have Furyk come back as the President's Cup captain next year. Uh, that would have been an opportunity to get somebody else some experience. Um, I would thought it was weird that Zach didn't fill out his captains, his assistant captains, with more guys who've not done it. Um, you know, he's got the, the only one who was with him that hadn't done it was Stuart Sink, and Stuart Sink, it might be, you know, being captain might have passed him by. Um, but what you could have done was named Stuart Sink next year's President's Cup captain, had him be an assistant this year, and maybe he's in the mix for a future Ryder Cup captaincy, and that way you get some consistency, which is what they've been trying to do for the last nine years since Glenn Eagles. Right. Get some continuity. Right. But when you have Fred Couples, who they, the players all seem to love, and he's a part of all these teams now, um, and probably too far gone to be a Ryder Cup captain. But you had Furyk, Stricker, and Davis Love. Like, Stricker was the last Ryder Cup captain, and the way their system is is you assist with the next one. That's fine. But why would you have had Davis in it again? He was just the President's Cup captain last year. He's been two, Ryder Cup captain twice. twice. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And I just think that they needed to find places. Fresh, you know, fresh like blood. A Matt, a Matt Kuchar or a Webb Simpson or whoever you think down the road, whatever it is, David Duvall, David Toms, some old na- older names that, that, that were bypassed, you, you could have done it different. And uh, uh, that, that part of So now we're kind of left with, you know, Everybody had Phil Pepsil in for Beth Page. I, even even if there's peace, my understanding is that the, my, the vibes are Phil just feels like fine with not doing it. He's ready to move on. He understands if that's going to be a problem. He doesn't want to create any problems, so he's ready to move on. So now all of a sudden Tiger's got to step up. I think Tiger would have been down the road. And, you know, they also could have maybe tried to get Tiger to do another President's Cup captaincy. Uh, if he would have wanted, which would have helped, you know, fill a gap there and gotten some other guys some experience as assistants. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden they need to start looking um, uh, for for some for some folks, and uh, um, it's um, uh, I, I, I'll, I'll be very curious to see how that how that works out. I know you were at the live event. Time's ticking here. Uh, we're a couple of months from. The end of the year in which this framework agreement between 
live and the PG tour is supposed to be uh, finalized. What any Well, that's that's the deadline they gave themselves and you know, there's nothing that says they couldn't extend it. Um, if they really truly want to get a deal and want to make it work and they're working towards it, I don't think it's like a do or die set hard and stone date. You could just extend it to April 1st, extend it to May 1st, whatever. Um, you know, uh, I've said and written, I don't think it's good for either side at this point to not have a deal. Um, if the tour doesn't get a deal, um, and, and obviously is going to rely on U.S. equity to help them out with the, with the for-profit thing, that's fine, but they'll still be competing against the PIF because I don't think Liv will go away. And they'll, they'll just double or triple down on what they're doing. They'll try to recruit more players. They'll, they'll spend more money, and there will be a divide. And they, but on the Liv side, on the PIF side, they will be shunned still by the golf establishment. It'll be harder for them to make inroads at the majors where, you know, Yasser's playing at, at Scotland this weekend. Um, you know, he's playing with Peter Uline, and, and they're, you know, they were grouped with, with Slumbers one day, Peter Dawson another day. Those are people in the golf ecosystem that, that he'll have access to if there's a deal. And I think that's what it comes down to. Does he want that? You know, does he want to have a, a piece of the pie? Does he want to have a Ramco or some other Saudi company, you know, getting exposure in the U.S. Uh, or on the DP World Tour? If he does, then I think he wants a deal. You know, and so that's why I think it's risky for there not, for there not to be one. Tigers tournament, uh, two months away in the Bahamas. Do you think he'll be playing? Um... I think it's a long shot. Uh, you know, I don't have any inside intel, but everything I'm gathering is he's not hitting full shots yet. Um, he's just chipping and putting. I don't think he's a lot of put a lot of a weight on that ankle yet. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, so then you're talking about trying to walk four days. Um, just not sure if that's possible. Yeah, obviously, he'll be there. It's his event. I think we're interested to hear from him no matter what. It'd be great if he could play. I'm not sure if that's going to happen. The FedEx fall continues this week. Got anybody on your radar before we let you go? Yeah, this is, uh, you know, what, week number two, week two of seven. And now I'm not really sure who to go with, to be honest with you. Uh, I mean, I saw where where Ludwig is playing. I mean, you'd think he'd have some great mojo, but also he's probably really tired. Um, but I give him credit for honoring the commitment. That's that's pretty impressive. A, a lot of whispers. Uh, well, may, maybe not even whispers. A lot of talk that, you know, he's he's got the stuff of perhaps a Tiger Woods. What do, what do you say? Yeah, I don't know. I it's early for that, but, I mean, he's obviously got a lot of maturity. You know, he's won a European Tour event already. Uh, he's climbing the world rankings. I think you'll see him over here a lot next year, you know, sponsor invites and such. You know, if he had given himself a little bit more time, he might have earned one of those 10, 10 spots, uh, you know, that go to the DP World Tour. I, I, I just don't think he was going to be able to play enough events. I mean, it's possible that maybe... 
you know, maybe later in this year he will. I don't know if he if he's got enough time to make it or not. And uh, I, but I think we're going to see him over here one way or the other. All right, I'm taking a mulligan. Final final question, Victor Hovland. How long do you think it's going to take him to reach world number one? Because I think it's he's coming on like a freight train. We can see that. And when do you predict he'll win his first major next year? And do you predict he'll win his I, first major? I, yeah, I think he needs to win a major probably. to That'll help him get to number one. Um, you know, those, those top three are Scheffler, Rahm, and Rory. And, and Victor's right there. I believe he's number four. Uh, so, do you see it happening um, at Augusta, at the U.S. Open, with, in terms could, of his game? It could happen at any of them. He was in contention in all of them, basically. Yeah. You know, I mean, he's been in contention at a British Open last year when he was in the last group with Rory. Uh, didn't get it done. And he was obviously he was in the last group at the at the uh, PGA this year. He was. He, I think he finished seventh at the Masters after being a first round co leader. You know, I, I don't think it doesn't seem like anything stops him. Uh, no, no. So I don't know what they call him over there. The 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 uh, victorious Viking or or what? Yeah, <laughs> but, exactly. Uh, he's 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 pretty impressive and uh, just a, an impressive person off the course too. Well, Bob, as always. We appreciate your time. Hope you rest up a little bit this weekend, my friend. Just thank you so much for all your contributions to to the Golf Insiders. Thanks so much. Have a good one.